Experience Darden Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Twitty, and you are listening to a new episode. On this episode of the podcast, I'm excited to share my recent conversation with Rachel Edwards. Rachel is a second-year student in our full-time MBA class of 2022, and she and I recently connected via Zoom to talk more about her background, what she did prior to coming to Darden, which really revolved around a fashion image consulting startup that she was running, uh, her Darden experience, how she navigated the first year, the work that she did this summer with the UVA Seed Fund, her work with Cab Angels, so much more. If you're interested in entrepreneurship, private equity, venture capital, how you can get engaged with those things here at the Darden School of Business, this conversation is essential listening. So without further ado, here's my interview with Rachel Edwards. Rachel, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Brett. Excited to be here. All right. Well, it's 53 degrees and kind of sunny here in Washington, D.C. How are things uh, where you are? Charlottesville is about the same. It's pretty nice out today. It's still a little chilly, but sunny, so I can't complain. Have you started to let yourself believe that maybe spring is coming? Maybe? Maybe. I feel like we've been teased the last couple of weeks with the 70 degree weather and then back to (laughs) freezing cold, but I think spring is coming. That a 76 degree day or whatever it was, was like finding a $20 bill in like a book you haven't read for like years. And then all of a sudden you're like, why did that happen? I'm I'm not sure. (laughs) Like there's just no rhyme or reason. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, and it's going to be nice again this weekend, I think. So I'm looking forward to that. Oh, all right. Um, Any plans, anything you're looking forward to? Just a friend coming to town, finishing up exams this week. Um, So I'm trying to get all those squared away so that I can just relax. Spring break on the horizon. Are you going on a global trip? I know a number of students are. I am. I am headed to Alaska. So staying in the U.S. technically, but figured it sounded like an interesting place to check out. So I'm excited to go. Scott Beardsley country for uh, for our listeners of the podcast. They know he's an Alaska native. I didn't even know that. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, I'm excited to go. I've never been um, was supposed to take a trip there a few years back before COVID and never ended up going. And so this is my chance, but very excited. Oh, man. So what are you doing while you're in Alaska? Do you know? So we are in Anchorage, I think, most of the time. I know there's a boat cruise involved, so I'm very excited for that. I've heard talks of dog sledding. I don't know if that's happening or not, but I think it should be a fun trip. We had a couple of uh, students on a few episodes ago, and they're planning to go to Iceland. And one of the students said he had very intentionally not looked at the syllabus uh, the itinerary for the trip because he wanted to keep the whole thing a surprise. <laughs> and I was I like, mean, why not? <laughs> I mean, that's a whole other, that's next level surprise. Like, you know, I'm, I just know when I'm supposed to be there. Like, I, I kind of like that just approach. Show <laughs> just show up. Just show up. You better hope there's not any pre-reading or anything uh, that you need to prepare, but it's a roll of the dice. So, well, Rachel, I hope you have a great time in Alaska. That sounds like a, a great trip. And I've been so excited uh, for you and your classmates and all, all the Darden students as the world starts to open up a little bit more. We just had some executive MBA students go over to Europe and it's exciting to see these trips start to come together. Um, 
and you know move towards uh, actually happening it's been a well it's been a challenging couple of years for that sort of thing so so nice to see it actually come to fruition here yeah absolutely super excited for this opportunity this year i'm really looking forward to it all right well thank you for coming on the podcast and we always start kind of with the same first question and that is tell us a little bit more about you what did you do before coming to darden so I was in fashion um, for over 10 years and working for myself, actually running a image consulting, personal styling, personal shopping business um, since 2018. So I was heavy into that the last few years. Things slowed down with COVID um, and it just seemed like a natural time for next step and was wanting to explore other career paths and just kind of see what else was out there and always thought I would end up at business school. So Darden was a natural choice for me. Um, I had friends and family members that went through the program. So it was really the only choice in my mind. Um, and I'm continuing to run my business while I'm here. So that's been <laughs> incredibly exciting, a bit challenging. Um, but as you said, things are opening back up. People are ready to put on new clothes and enjoy themselves again and go out with their friends and family. And so I've been working with clients um, a bit more the last few months, which has been really exciting just to, to get back into that. Well, tell us more about what that work looks like. Cause I will admit in my own experience, I just will go to the store and buy like a pair <laughs> of jeans. I never considered that I might actually ask somebody, is this what I should be doing? Um, so what is, what does your work look like? So it's really tailored individually to each client I work with. Overall, I have a process I go through with my clients and I start off really just trying to understand their lifestyle, what their needs are, um, what they're really wearing on a daily basis. I typically begin with a closet edit. So I go in and kind of see where we're starting from um, and help them kind of think through what items they have that might need to be updated, what they want to get rid of, um, things that pieces that I would add in um, that would complement the items that they already own. And so really just assessing um, kind of where we're starting. And that's typically my first move um, with a new client. And then following that, we actually have personal shopping and styling appointments. So I do all the back end heavy lifting, go to the stores, work with the stores to curate all of the product for that client and then bring everything to them in their home and just try to create this really elevated shopping experience, take away the stress of going in the store and sorting through thousands of items. Um, and similarly shopping online can be convenient, but also very overwhelming. So I think people just appreciate having that experience and not needing to think about it for themselves. And then I put together outfits and give people, you know, ideas on how to wear things different ways and, style them for specific events, but also just for their daily life. All right. So I have several questions for you. <laughs> I'm going to start, I'm going to start with the, the first thing that was on my mind as you talked about working with this client base. Do you find these people or do they find you? Um, maybe a little bit of both. A little bit of both. So in the early days, my business was very much referral based. It still is. Um, I actually, in the last year or so, since we've begun sort of coming out of COVID, hopefully, 
I am getting more just organic reach outs and traffic online, people kind of coming across my website or Instagram um, and finding me that way. So it's been a bit of both, but typically it's word of mouth and referrals from current clients. So I'm curious of your broader story. Like how, how do you get interested in this kind of thing? Were you somebody that was always passionate about clothes in fashion, I asked this question. I have a couple of cousins who were in college that are really into this sort of thing right now. And gosh, it feels like it's been a part of their lives uh, for most of at least their, their adult years here. So I'm curious about your story. Yeah, I've always been interested. I like to say I've always had an eye for it. Um, you know, different things, different years. My mom will say that about me, but I think I started working in retail pretty early, like early in high school. And that was kind of my first exposure um, to actually working in retail and fashion. And I think over the years, tried a number of different roles, sales, store management, buying, um, and ultimately landed at what at the time was a startup called Trump Club that you may have heard of um, that later got acquired by Nordstrom and really just fell in love with styling and like really getting personal with my clients, getting to know them, um, offering a bunch of additional services, which is what I ended up doing and hence the choice to go out on my own. Um, but really just finding that connection and helping people, you know, look and feel their best was something that I really enjoyed doing. So I've continued that. Trunk club. I remember them from the advertisements in like the American Airlines or Delta magazines, <laughs> they would advertise there. I guess that's where you find busy people who don't have time to think about these kind of things. Yeah, definitely. So I'm interested in your experience in retail. Are there lessons that you learned from your time and these kind of roles that you still carry with you today? Do they inform the work that you do in some way? Yeah, I think the most important thing I learned over the years and this applies to my business as well as just the relationship that you have with your customers and how important that is. Um, I'm actually working on a new business concept now that's more application-based, but also related to shopping and fashion. And I think for me, just wanting to create something where I can use technology to enhance that experience for the customer is where my focus is now. But I think overall, the relationships I've had with customers over the years, whether they were in a store and followed me to trunk club or a trunk club and followed me to my business. Like that's always, always been um, so important, just continuing those relationships with those people and continuing to make them happy. And um, I think customers are incredibly important to any business. So that's something I'll always carry with me. Well, one last question on this thread. Um, this is a novice question, and some of our listeners may already know the answer. So I'm going to ask as someone who has not spent as much time uh, looking into the fashion industry, um, but is there a lot of competition in this kind of personal stylist um, image space? Um, there's a number of people, I would say, in the D.C. area specifically. That tends to be kind of my demographic that I work with mostly are located um, in DC, Maryland, and Virginia. And I'd say there are a number of other stylists I know. I think it's not so much competition in my mind. I think a lot of it is about finding the right match because as you're more than just, you know, someone shopping for clothing for another person, I mean, clothing is incredibly personal. And I think 
the relationship that you have, whether or not you get along with someone and hit it off makes a huge difference. So I may not be the right person for everyone to work with. And so I actually think of competition in, in a good way. Like there are different options out there for different people and, you know, different price points that customers might want to shop within. So I think it's a good thing, but I wouldn't say it's oversaturated by any means. I think there's a few select people I know of that do similar things in the area. Nice. Well, let's talk a little bit more about your MBA journey. You mentioned having a number of personal connections to Darden, family members that had um, come to Darden and pursued an MBA. Wonder, you, how did you decide, and it sounds like it's been something that was on your mind for a while, that an MBA was going to be part of your plan? I always heard about it from my friends and family members that that did go that route. And most of them did go to Darden. And so I just heard incredible things about the program specifically. I wasn't sure an MBA was for me, to be honest. Um, if you asked me five years ago, I probably would have had a different answer. I think it's something I continued to think about more and more over the last few years. And when COVID um, was kind of impending, I had already taken the GMAT, was thinking about it, but not sure, and just decided that was the moment to do it. Um, you know, my business naturally with people not going out, not getting dressed in the same way started um, to go downhill a bit during that time. And so I felt like this is the perfect opportunity, honestly, for me to go back to school and pursue this. It's something I was always curious about. And I think I approached it with a very different um, set of experiences than many of my classmates. And so that did make first year I think incredibly challenging for me just from the core curriculum perspective, but I learned so much and never would have been able to do that in any other environment. Well, let's talk about that, that first year. I think oftentimes candidates, maybe even some people listening to this interview right now may wonder, do I have the right background? Can I do this if I haven't already taken accounting and finance and Darden has a core curriculum. You could just spend time on that in your first three quarters as a full-time MBA student. So what oh, was yeah. that what was that adjustment like for you? It in all honesty, it was incredibly difficult. Um, I leaned a lot on my learning team. I think that's one incredible resource that we have as first years here. I was very reliant on my classmates and peers in terms of just understanding the material. We were going at such a quick pace that you really needed to lean on people to, to keep up generally. And I think having a really great learning team just centered me and helped me get through core. Um, but like I said, I learned a lot and I came out on the other side and second year is, is much better. <laughs> but I think you do just learn so much. And I learned a lot about myself too. <laughs> Well, let's talk about your learning team, because I think this is um, I, I think of this as like a very core part of the Darden experience. Um, it's Definitely. something that comes up here on the on the podcast. And for our listeners who still who are still learning about Darden, um, it's the second step in Darden's four step learning model. If you really want to get formal about it, that it there is this kind of group preparation moment. And that is the learning team. So can you tell us a little bit about your learning team, who was on the team and how you all work together? My learning team was great. I got very lucky. I think most learning teams were great though, but mine was especially good. I'm biased. Um, we had 
one, um, actually two people that initially were not in Charlottesville. So that was challenging just with COVID and people getting here. So most of, I believe, first and second quarter, we were half on Zoom, half in person. So those of us that were here were in person. And then we had two people Zooming in. So that was definitely a challenge at first, but it almost became the norm. And so in Q3, when we were all finally here and able to get together, that was very exciting. Um, But it was nice because there was a balance between myself who had, you know, more entrepreneurial experience, came from a more creative background. Um, Another friend on my team had an accounting background and someone else had a finance background. And so there was just a great balance among us of understanding the material that we were going through. I honestly didn't understand any of it, (laughs) but the other members of my learning team were really, you know, easy to lean on and explain, you know, what was going on. And it was a lot of, I think, additional hours for me outside of (laughs) the learning team environment. But having that was so core to my experience during first year. And we were all just incredibly supportive of each other. I mean, people were going through recruiting at different times. And so sometimes you were picking up more slack. Sometimes someone else was, but you really just had this core group of people you could lean on. Um, And not just with, you know, what was going on with classes specifically, but what was going on in your personal life. I mean, we were all still in COVID last year. And so it was, you know, a lot going on, especially for the students that weren't able to be here in person. And so I think just having someone that you could talk to um, in the group and one-on-one, just those connections were incredibly important and we're still very close. Well, I appreciate your point about the learning curve. And the thing that I always think about, um, and I have these conversations with all, with our executive MBA students who come on the podcast as well, it's not where you start, it's where you finish. Uh, and so do you feel like at some point things started to click for you? And obviously you continue to learn as, as you go yeah. forward. I mean, like I said, I learned a lot. Um, I honestly wondered at various points last year how much was sticking because there was just so much new information coming at me. But I think through experiencing my summer internship and coming back second year and having some similar classes, I realized that I actually did retain a lot more (laughs) than I thought. Um, And so that was exciting just to feel like second year was a totally different experience. Um, And there was, you know, more flexibility with choosing classes that I was more interested in on the entrepreneurship side. But I think even going back and taking um, the entrepreneurial private equity finance class, like I never would have been able to do that without the core curriculum kind of guiding me to that point first year. One of the things I really enjoyed from conversations with students about their internship is that that becomes a really validating moment for many students where they realize all that they've learned and they're in conversations perhaps they wouldn't have been in prior to an MBA program and they have a perspective and they're able to answer questions and process information and all this kind of stuff in a way that they wouldn't have been able to do pre-Darden. What did you do uh, in the summer after your first year? So I was with the Seed Fund Um, with the licensing and ventures group. So I was here in Charlottesville, which was amazing. Um, Initially during my first year, I was exploring a lot of different career paths. I honestly came here kind of to be a little bit more explorative (laughs) than maybe some of my classmates. I did not have a set plan of I'm coming in for this job or to work for this company. And so I think 
it was great to come in with an open mind, but it was challenging because there were so many different options and different directions I could go in. So ultimately I landed um, on venture capital. And so the seed fund was great preparation for that, just really getting to look at companies, um, due diligence, and also help with the current portfolio companies. Um, and so I learned a lot over the summer and it was a great experience. Well, tell us a little bit more uh, about the, the seed fund and like what attracted you to that particular opportunity. You mentioned you weighed a lot of different different things. And some of our, I, I know we've had a number of students work with seed fund and we've had guests on this podcast talk about it, but I'm curious, how did you decide this is how you wanted to spend your summer? So part of it, I, I was working with actually a different um, VC in the spring. So I had a spring semester internship, which is honestly pretty common um, if you choose this path, just because you need to try to get some experience while you're here. Um, and so I was working in the spring with a later stage fund. And I realized out of that experience that I was much more interested in the early stage. So I think that led me to looking specifically at VCs and funds that were focused on early stage companies and seed fund being a seed fund was focused at the very early stage. Um, and I also had some experience with Cab Angels during first year. And so I, I knew that the early stage investment world um, was where I wanted to land. What was it like for you as someone who had run their own business to kind of be on the other side of things? So yeah. To speak? It was super interesting. And I think that's part of what attracted me to it. Um, I think because I've been an entrepreneur and I've worked in startups um, and I've worked on startups, just having that exposure and experience, I felt like I was really able to understand and empathize with the entrepreneurs that were going through this process um, and sitting on the other side of the table. I think ultimately it, it came full circle for me because I realized that I actually really enjoyed being the entrepreneur and being within the startup versus investing in it. But I think I needed to have those experiences to lead me to that point. All right. So you go to the seed fund and you come back as a second year student. And the thing that's cool about the second year, and this has been, all, again, a consistent theme across these conversations on the podcast, is the extent to which student priorities really drive what students are engaged in in their second year. You have a little bit more time, a little bit more space. You're picking your classes, as you note. Uh, so what have you been up to in this year? <laughs> I've been up to a lot. <laughs> um, some things related to Darden and some not, but my, my styling business actually has picked up incredibly. And so I've been traveling back and forth to the D.C. area quite a bit. Um, typically almost every week, um, which has <laughs> been exciting. Um, but classes, from a classes perspective, I think there were a number of entrepreneurship related classes, like the entrepreneurship private equity um, class with Elena that was amazing. I knew I wanted to take that second year. Um, so I set myself up in, in order to do that. And there were a couple of other entrepreneurial focused classes like Venture Velocity that I've joined now. Um, and so I, I felt like having that flexibility, you know, getting the core curriculum out of the way and learning a bunch in first year really gave me that flexibility to then second year come in with just a new mindset, new approach. 
um, but really able to focus in on my interests as an entrepreneur and really tap in um, to the resources here at Darden. And you mentioned Cav Angels as maybe one of those things that's taken some time uh, at, yeah, out of I'm back. outside of class. I'm back with Cav Angels again this year um, after the summer. And so I'm excited, you know, to be involved with that group. I've learned an incredible amount um, from Cav as well. And I think just getting to go through the diligence process with multiple companies there, I'm actually leading a diligence um, at the moment on a company that's super interesting. So I think getting back involved with that group has been an exciting part of second year for me. So some of our listeners undoubtedly listening to just what you said there in diligence, um, one of these words that I think comes up in business school, but I'm not even sure what it, what it involves. What, what does that involve? So it's different depending on the stage of the company. Part of the reason I enjoy early stage investing is because a lot of the diligence is really just getting to know the founder. I mean, you have to assess product market fit, who are the competitors, you know, is this idea or this concept really going to work? Um, and it's kind of a guessing game sometimes, but a lot of it in the early stage is about the management team and the founder and the vision and do they have the right people on board? And if not, can they get those people involved? And so it's just, it's much more personal to me. And I think it's much more about people than it is about numbers. Um, I think that's what ultimately has attracted me to the earlier stage um, investing versus later stages, financial models, and you're looking at returns and cash flow and finance has just never been <laughs> my thing. So I think looking at it from the perspective of just getting to really work with people and get to know people better and understand the entrepreneurs that is very exciting. Um, and so the diligence is really just a lot of interviews and conversations with the team, um, reviewing their pitch deck, reviewing any financial data they do have. Sometimes there is a little bit in the early stage, just not as much. Um, and then doing research on the market and the competitors um, that are out there and trying to validate that this is an idea you think is going to be successful. I'm curious about your approach to evaluating the team and maybe how that's evolved um, over the past uh, couple of years as you've been in the MBA program. What kind of questions do you ask or how do you try to get a read on people? I think, I mean, there. I definitely, one of the things I think Bob um, at the Seed Fund was great at was really just pulling apart these companies and, and their teams, not at all in a negative way, but just kind of getting to the root of what is it that we don't understand that we need to understand to make this decision. And I think it's different for different companies. I honestly do. I don't think there is like a one size fits all. I think there's always certain metrics that you're looking at, but I do think understanding if that founder has started other successful businesses, or if it's a space that they are very familiar with, like, for example, myself, having been in fashion for 10 years, if I start a fashion company, it's probably, you know, hopefully going to work out. I know what I'm talking about. But if I go out and start, you know, a biotech company, that doesn't really make sense. And so sometimes you just come across people with backgrounds that you wouldn't necessarily expect. But sometimes there's a very compelling story as to 
how that came about and the, maybe the partnership they have or the co-founder they have. So there's just really different elements, I think, that I pay more attention to now. Um, but I think it's also understanding, is this someone that can take feedback? Is this someone that works well in a team? Um, can they manage a team well? And so there's just, there's so many other factors you think about because as a company grows, there's going to be increasing numbers of people involved. It's so interesting to hear you talk about the team and, and the people, because I think, and this is not a criticism, but I think when you listen to how I built this or you think about unicorn startups, it feels like the emphasis is on the idea. Um, yeah. And that that is just, I think, different than how I've heard people talk about at least early stage ventures, which is fascinating. Oh, it's 100% about the people. I mean, someone can disagree with me, but... In my mind, the idea is only a piece of the equation. I guess the idea being like a lot of ideas floating around here. So let me try to be more specific here. So, you know, if you have a great idea, but a dysfunctional team, that idea can only go so far. You'll never uh, execute. Yeah, you'll never execute. Um, and if you do, you know, it may be messy. And it's, I think it's a lot about, the team in my mind the idea is important you know and like I said if someone's background is not at all related to what they're doing you have to wonder <laughs> what's going on but I think the team's incredibly important and the founder is incredibly important in terms of can they get that idea to where it needs to be well Rachel I'm wondering what are you looking forward to in the in the months ahead you're a few months away to graduation and then uh, what comes next for you I am. It's honestly crazy to think about. I can't believe we're we're sitting here on March 1st and <laughs> graduation is quite literally a couple of months away. So it's it's coming up quickly and second year and honestly first year too just flew by. Um I'm I'm looking forward to a lot of things. I'm looking forward to I think spending the summer in Charlottesville. I actually am working on a new business which is an app concept and just got admitted into the iLab program. So I'm excited to join that cohort um, and also just excited to be in Charlottesville a little bit longer. Um, I really enjoy being here the last couple of years. Um, so that's that's what's next for me. It's a good place to spend a summer. Uh, it's, a, it's warm for, to be sure, but um, <laughs> lots of nice things to do outside. Um, it's a good place. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Well, can you tell us anything about your app concept? I know if you're in the iLab, that means early days. And so it may be too soon to say anything specific. It, but. it is it is early days, um, but it's coming along. Um, it actually, so the project started in a class I took second year, actually. Um, prototyping and product development with Raul, also a great class. I'll plug that here. <laughs> um, but I had an idea around using image recognition technology for clothing and kind of helping people have a more curated guided shopping experience through an app. So the application is called Snap Shop. So snap and then shop. And the idea is that you can snap a picture with your phone of any clothing item and go two different directions. You can either shop for similar items if you want to see, you know, maybe varying price points, 
you found something, but it's very expensive. You want the less expensive version. Um, so you can do that. And the other option is to style the item. So maybe you have an item in your wardrobe and you have no idea what to wear it with. Um, so this would actually, through the image recognition, see what the item was and then provide options of different pieces that you can pair with it. So still very early stages, but I'm essentially trying to democratize what I do for my clients on a much broader scale. Not everyone can afford to have a personal stylist or you know, necessarily wants to have a personal stylist, but they may want style advice um, or just advice on shopping in general. I like this. Uh, this is an interesting idea. Maybe there's hope for all of us at, at some point um, <laughs> as we pick out our clothes. Yeah, I hope so. That's the goal. All right. Well, Rachel, we asked the same last question of our podcast guests here. Um, is there any advice, anything that you would share with our prospective student listeners as, as they think about next steps? I would say really lean into the relationships that you have here. I mean, I'll go back to my learning team, but I think to that point and to just the network in general, after you leave Darden, I haven't left yet, um, but I would imagine that those relationships will likely continue. You'll probably meet new people that you didn't necessarily run into in your class here, but everyone is very connected. It's really a community that extends beyond just the in the classroom experience you have um, during your two years. So I would really lean into that. And I would also, two pieces of advice, I would also just be open that your path may not look the same as everyone else's and that's okay. And that's, you know, that's the path that I'm on and it's scary at times. Um, but I think in the end it's, it will be incredibly rewarding. It's so interesting that you share that second piece of advice because we actually recorded an exec MBA podcast episode this morning and the person said a very similar thing. <laughs> so um, maybe this is all just one big podcast episode. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Um, a slightly lighter question for you, Rachel. Uh, for those of us planning our spring wardrobes, uh, what would you encourage us to think about? Any any fashion advice, one piece of uh piece of clothing that maybe we should all have this spring or anything that you think we should be thinking about? Oh yeah. Well, spring is a great season for lighter weight layering pieces. So one staple, I always tell my clients and I will try to not make this gender specific because I think it's for everyone, um, is a trench coat. So if you do not have a trench coat, put that on your list. Great staple will last you for years. Doesn't go out of style. A classic look. A trench yeah. coat. <laughs> well, thank you, Rachel, for indulging that last question for our listeners. That was not shared with Rachel previously prior to the conversation. So <laughs> that was putting her on the spot. So um, it's so much fun catching up with you. Um, excited to hear about how things go with your with your app concept and, and good luck um, as you wrap up here in your second year and have a great trip to Alaska. Thanks so much, Brett. Thanks for having me. And that was my interview with Rachel Edwards, a second year student in our full-time MBA class of 2022. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, anything you'd like for us to cover here on the podcast, we're all ears. We can be reached at Darden, that's D-A-R-D-E-N, at virginia.edu. And until next time, stay safe, be well, and thanks for listening.